Hello and welcome to the Post to Post podcast. It is podcast number 31. It is January 14th. We're into the 30s already. How excited are you? I'm, well, I can hardly stand it. <laughs> you don't look that excited. <laughs> I am quite excited, actually. Podcasting's a big deal, and uh, it's getting a, to be a bit of a bigger deal. There's a new podcast uh, that started up in the hockey world, and I'd like to talk about that a little bit later. Oh, oh is it the yeah. Elliot Friedman's 31 Thoughts thing? Yeah. Uh I haven't listened to it yet. But Thanks for spoiling the surprise. <laughs> I hear good things. Yeah, it's going to be a good podcast. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How often does it get released? It uh, looks like it's going to be a weekly thing on Wednesdays. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Elliot puts his column out, I think, on Tuesday or Wednesday. <laughs> so he and Jeff Merrick will make the podcast and put it out each Wednesday, which is a great time because a lot of this stuff, like our stuff, has, has to happen on a weekend. Who just, puts a podcast out on a Wednesday? That's a great time, like for them. Like Oh, yeah. Like... Oh, yeah, it's perfect. Nobody puts a podcast out on Wednesday, so yeah. that's a good place for them to slide well, in. I yeah. think it's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's <laughs> going to be good. I downloaded the first episode, and I uh, I don't want this to sound bad, but I, I put it in my earphone because when I go to bed at night, I usually listen to podcasts until mm-hmm. I fall asleep. And I fell asleep during uh, the podcast, so um, that's a good sign for me because it's not <laughs> something like that means they're not yelling at each other. Right. So that's that's a good thing. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That's, that's, that's totally fine. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't actually have a lot of things on my list to talk about. I know that you do. You have probably have more than I do. I might. So let's uh, start with your scores from last night. Sure. Last night and a couple of afternoon games as well. Uh, a lot of teams are into their break now, like Columbus. The Columbus Blue Jackets, for instance, played Friday night. They don't play again until next weekend. So mm-hmm. there's other teams that are just going on their break, some teams that are coming off. So the schedule's uh, probably a little sparser than it normally would, you know, mm. would have been 10 years ago before this five-day break thing started. Uh, Minnesota beat Winnipeg 4-1 in Minnesota. Uh, Matt Dumba got two goals for the Wild in that game. Winnipeg has a fantastic home record, but uh, on the road they're a little more human. But uh, they were human yesterday. They lost 4-1. In a game that you and I watched uh, the entirety of, Boston beat Montreal 4-3 in a shootout. Mm-hmm. And uh, probably we can talk later on about the yep, I have that on my list. The game and, and the things that happened in the game and the coverage and the injury to... <coughs> to uh, Deneau and, and yep. all of that. So anyway, 4-3 in a shootout for Boston. Uh, pretty interesting game. It was uh, good. O- overall. It was good, yeah. Philadelphia beat the New Jersey Devils 5-3. to three, And uh, Couturier got his two goals, now has 25 on the season. He's having a great year. Fantastic. Wow. Fantastic. And there was a goal in that game. Did you see any of the highlights from that no, game? No, I didn't actually. No. There was a goal in that game that was just amazing. Uh, Claude Giroux was credited with the goal. It was the tying goal in the uh, second period. At that moment, New Jersey was up on Philly three or 2-1. And uh, Giroux got credit for the goal because he took a slap shot from back around, the, I'd say, the slot area. Mm-hmm. He, he really rifled it. But it bounced off of uh, Simmons on the way in. So ultimately, Simmons got the goal. Okay. But the coolest part was the second assist. Giroux ended up getting the first assist. The second assist was Voracek. And what he did was he was standing right in front of the net, and I forget who was on the right-hand side, and basically passed it to Voracek, but he saw Giroux over beside him on his left, and he used his skate to just to deflect the puck over to Giroux, and Giroux rifled it. It was probably the coolest play of the day uh, of all the games. Players like that can do stuff like that without even thinking. Fantastic. It was so well done. So I encourage you and the listeners to uh, have a look at that if you get a chance. Yeah, I would definitely will. Also, Colorado beat Dallas 4-1. Nathan McKinnon again. Now he's got 19. Whew. He's uh, just unreal. He's has that team on his back. Yeah. It's yeah. unbelievable. Fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Uh, San Jose 
scored with 15.4 seconds left in the third to tie the game 5-5 and then beat Arizona 6-5 in overtime. Pickles. Yep. My boy Pickles. Yep. Mark Edward Vlasic got the uh, got the tying goal. Mm-hmm. The uh, overtime winner was Donskoy. Right? No, or was it? No, he got, Vlasic got the. Vlasic got the winner. Yeah, there. the overtime winner, right. Donskoy got two goals in that, <clears> though, and uh, did well. Anaheim beat the Kings 4-2. I haven't watched the highlights, but I heard about it. Did you hear about it? I heard that uh, there might be a, a hearing. Uh, at least one, maybe. I don't know. In a four-minute, four-second stretch in the time clock in the first period between 2.29 and 2.33, there were three knuckle chucks. Well, I heard that <clears throat> Cogliano laid a hit on Kempe. Yeah, and I don't know if that... Wait, hit. what game are you talking about? I'm talking about... Uh, uh, Anaheim over LA 4-2. Okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I thought you were talking about a different game for a second. No. Nope. Yeah, Cog- Cogliano hit Kempe, apparently. Oh, is that right? That he, has nothing to do with what I... No, but he's an Iron Man. Yeah. He's, he's like, he has the record in the NHL for most games played without missing them. It's like eight seasons in a row or something crazy oh like goodness. that. If he gets suspended because of his hit, like oh, that, wow. that jeopardizes his entire Iron Man streak. And maybe does it go to Alsner after that? <laughs> no. He's got a huge Ironman streak going, too, you know. He does? He's got like 500 and some games. No, he doesn't. He does so. Are you serious? I I crap you not. I will look that up after this podcast. You look up Alsner Ironman. You look him up. Anyway, there was lots of fighting uh, in this game. And, you know, you think Anaheim and the Kings, California, not really hockey culture as far as, you know, the, you know, put them up. What do you expect them to do, get martinis and sit up by a beach? Well, yeah, it's California. (laughs) Isn't that what they do out there? Play some beach hockey? Curtis McDermott went with Jared Bull. Uh, Andy Andreoff, Andreoff went with Kevin Bieksa. And Kyle Clifford went with Nick Ritchie. Three separate fights at three separate puck drops over a four-second period. Okay, I need to win see these highlights then. <laughs> so we'll have to dig those up. <coughs> Pardon me. So anyway, the, uh, the Ducks won the game. And uh, Kessler scored again, as uh, he's been doing. Edmonton and Van- Vegas Golden Knights. Uh, that was a really interesting game. I watched all of the third period this morning, and I didn't want to know the score ahead of time. So I mm-hmm. watched it as a spectator. Uh, Edmonton beat the, the Golden Knights 3-2 yeah. in overtime. So Vegas still stole a point. That means they've not had a regulation loss now in, uh, you know, I don't know how long, since 1970 or something <laughs> like that. <clears throat> it's crazy. Yeah, it was, it was a good game. And the most important number in that game, you know what the 50-50 draw prize was? $29,000. $70,000. Can we go there, please? <laughs> Can you imagine? I went to Las Vegas and come home with $70,000. They think you were some roulette jockey yeah, or something. Yeah, how'd you win it? Uh, 50-50 at a I hockey got game. I went to the hockey game. 70000 plus. That's crazy. Uh, the Islanders beat the Rangers 7-2. to uh, Another dominating performance, Barzal. Mm-hmm. And I have a story about Barzal and, and that record that he just uh, tied All right. uh, in doing that. Because he got five point, two goals and five points in that game. And as a rookie, that's a very rare thing to happen, and it's even more rare to happen twice in a season. And Barzell has joined a very interesting club, and there's more about that later on. Can I guess the other people in the club? I'll be asking you to. All right, sounds good. All right. Can, can I just stop you just for a second? Sure. Just, I just want to talk about the, the Iron Man thing because I have it up here on the screen. Oh, good, okay. Cogliano has 829 games without missing one. Uh, Keith Yandel, 675. Patrick Marlowe, 669. Phil Kessel, 654. And 
Carl Alsner, 582. 582, there you yeah. go. Now, you didn't believe me. I just, I mean, it, I, did, it, I didn't think it was impossible. I just never <laughs> would have guessed him to be yeah. an Iron Man. But I didn't realize cool. he was still that far down the list, though. I thought he was quite up there. Uh, Cogliano is about, I think it's like 40-ish away, 50-ish away from Steve Larmer for third overall, like all time. And what's his number right now? Cogliano? Yeah. 829. 829. Larmer's got 884. That's 10 seasons. Uh, Gary Unger has 914, and Doug Jarvis has 964, which is the the total first place record. Wow. Gary Unger, that's another another name from the past. Uh, former St. Louis Blue as well. Hi, breaking news from Sportsnet. Uh, Canadians Deneau released from hospital after taking puck. So wow. He's, he's been a released. So That is fantastic yeah. news. Boys, it looked grim <laughs> when it happened. I guess maybe we'll save that for later. <clears throat> yeah. Late for later, but uh, wow. Yeah, the uh, Barzal, he was on fire. And Beauvillier got a couple of goals as well. I like Islanders. him a lot. Yeah, he's great. Uh, Pittsburgh over Detroit, 4-1. to one. Looks like Pittsburgh's starting to find their stuff. Three games in a row. Yeah, and they're back now uh, mathematically tied with Carolina, but they're actually ahead because they've got some games in hand, and uh, they're actually sniffing at a playoff spot now. <coughs> Excuse me, it's no, wild card. I mean, it's expected. It's just frustrating because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm supposed to see in Pittsburgh. But yeah, and in that game, the big players are producing. Crosby got his 16th, 16th. Kessel got his 19th. Malkin got uh, two goals, and he's get, now got 19. Not bad. Kessel is the man. <coughs> I make fun of him a lot for his whole all his hot dog stuff and his hamburger stuff. But uh, I do too. Man, what a what a talented player! Seriously. Yeah, like, he really is. He's something else. He got robbed of that trophy there mm-hmm. in the playoffs a couple of years ago. I think it was. Two years ago, the first one that they went on, he should have won that. Mm-hmm. Um, but is he, he is he a fitter guy than he looks? Because he's got oh, this yeah. round face. You it's know, just, he looks like a guy who's just come in from Wendy's. Yeah, you know? I think it's I think it's just a face thing. Because look, so. look at no one, no one that out of shape or that fat can skate like he does. <laughs> like he's one of the fastest skaters in the league. Yeah, it's unbelievable. It's really so. something, isn't it? <laughs> So uh, those are the scores from, from last night. There's some other, you know, standings and stats we usually talk about later on. No hurry on that stuff. Are you watching any games today? I hadn't thought about that. Uh, there's football today, and I was going to... I was, I plan on watching a little bit of football, too, mm-hmm. but there is a game this afternoon, actually, that might be worth watching. All right. I believe, I'm pretty sure Chicago plays Detroit this afternoon, Ooh. and Jeff Glass is going to play for Chicago. Oh, for again. His, yeah. Again. So I'm probably going to watch that game. Well, and that, that by itself, Jeff Glass's appearance uh, in net for the Blackhawks uh, was an amazing story, and there's more to come. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <coughs> yeah, they, they play at uh, 1.30. Oh, really? Yep. Okay. So in 25 minutes. You talk me into it. By the time <laughs> anyone hears this, the game will have ended. And, exactly, uh, yeah. So we don't know yet. Isn't that amazing how it's we can travel through time? Crazy. <laughs> I would do, let's make a prediction right now then. Who wins and what score? Well, Chicago and Detroit, they're going in different directions. I think Chicago will beat Detroit. Uh, it'll be closer than than uh, on paper. So I'm going to say it's 4-3. 4-3 in regulation? Uh, yeah. I'm going to say it's 3-1 Detroit. Ooh. In obviously regulation. Ooh. Yeah. Empty netter, though. You are bold. <laughs> you are bold. Okay. So uh, 3-1 Detroit, but Glass only lets in two of them. Yeah. I just had to be different. So. <laughs> All right. Well, now now we have something to uh, to cheer for or against. Or yeah, whatever. that's right. Yeah, yeah our prediction. Um, while we're on the Golden Knights, I just have to say that their ability to hang on to that point uh, 
still has them on pace for about 120 points this year right now. That's unbelievable. And when you look at other professional expansion franchises in other sports, you see how amazing this is. The best ever in the National Basketball Association for an expansion franchise to do in its first year was the 1966-67 Chicago Bulls, and they went 33-48. and 48. Wow. Holy in, crap. In football, the best ever start for an expansion team was the 1995 Carolina Panthers, and they went 7-9. and nine. Oh, jeez. And in Major League Baseball, the best start for an expansion team ever was the California Angels in 1961, and they went 70-91. and 91. <laughs> So in every other sport, the inaugural season has been a losing season and still impressive. This, so this is really a fairy tale this is event. Like this is a different universe right here, what they're doing. And we were talking yesterday, because last podcast we talked about should we should we actually go see our first playoff game this year? Mm-hmm. Kind of like, you know, really take the opportunity to go down into Carolina or Tampa Bay or somewhere else. And uh, we get talking last night, and we forgot about Vegas. Vegas is kind of an option because we can't really go to Anaheim or Los Angeles or San Jose because those teams might not make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. There's two teams basically that are in a pretty good spot because we want we would want to book our tickets soon because so they're <clears throat> because the, the prices are really good right now two teams Tampa Bay and now Vegas I never mm-hmm. even thought of them last time but mm-hmm. Vegas ticket prices are would be a little bit more expensive than in Tampa Bay but what better team oh, to yeah. see in their inaugural season their first first round ever of the team in mm-hmm. the play, like that would be amazing it would be amazing it would be a hard it'd be hard to get a ticket it would but uh, it would be ex- very exciting, yeah, yeah, to be a part of that. Yeah, it sure would be. And, you know, the whole town is on fire. Uh, hotels would be easy to come by, I yeah. would think. Oh, because if, if there's one place where you're not going to struggle to find a hotel, it's going to be Las Vegas. <laughs> exactly, yeah. And probably a hotel at a decent price because hotel prices there aren't that crazy mm. because they make their money downstairs. So, you know, that part of it all works. All the economy works. Uh, flights to and from, we, yeah. get, we get points. Uh, prices are good these days and all of that. It would just be the game itself that would be the challenge. Yeah, trying to find a ticket. Yeah. It, I don't know how, I don't know what the best way to go about that would be, but. Yeah, uh, and someplace even like StubHub, you wouldn't see anything show up until the playoff tickets would be released. And they often will do that with weeks left to go in the regular season mm. once it's a sure bet. And they just sell them as, you know, home playoff game round one, number one. Right. You don't know again who it is or what day it is, but it's just the ticket has the number of the game mm. on it and that's all. Anyone in any Vegas fans or anyone in that area, if they can let us know, like, how do you buy your tickets or what, what best way mm-hmm. we could buy some tickets? Or do you have somebody? <laughs> do you have somebody? You know, do you have people that can call our people? <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not looking for free tickets. We, oh, no, no. We're no. just looking for available tickets. Yeah, we to, want access to two, two seats together. Yeah. <laughs> uh, probably the first week of the playoffs, because it looks like if, you know, Vegas will keep on this run, they will end up with home ice in the first yeah, round. Yeah, second week of April, probably. Yeah, so, so that's really what we're looking at. Uh, you know, game one would be awesome. Game two would be fantastic. Mm. Uh, both would be super duper amazing. And they'll only be two days apart. So, you know, going to be in Vegas anyway. Gotta, yeah. Got to see the sights. Absolutely. Yeah. Hoover Dam. Grand Canyon. <laughs> Grand Canyon. Yeah, it's, uh, there's elements of that nearby. Mm. I'd like to actually, you, you've been to California and I haven't. So I'd like to take a rental car and head for Barstow 
and, I am, uh, I am do California. One hundred percent down with that. I want to see the Mojave Desert. The Mojave Desert. The Mojave Desert. <laughs> yeah, <right>. that'd be nice. <laughs> is there salt flats nearby? Uh, there's some in Bonneville, but I don't know where that is. Reference, you know, the the main highway from Vegas down towards L.A. I don't Wh- know. Where's Death Valley? Uh, it's in California, but it's well, uh, I th- yeah, yeah right. it's I think it's a little north of that, but it's down by like real southern um, California. I don't. I don't. I honestly don't know, and uh, I would have studied up a bit if I'd known, but. Mm. Kind of um, off topic here, but yeah, <coughs> I'd like to see. I'm I'm a bit of a I'm a bit obsessed with the desert. Mm. I just I, I think that's just cool. I want to see some cactus and tumbleweeds and all that stuff yeah. too. Yeah, heck yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez. Uh, anyways, I kind of I put you off topic there. Did you have anything else to say about Vegas or? Um, well, just uh, their their home record um, right now. It's the best in the league. They're eighteen two and two at home. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And that I, I calculate that to be an eight six three average. So in other words, they've got eighty six point three percent of the points that they could have had if, if they'd won everything. What's the highest amount of points a team has gotten in the regular season in the NHL ever? I think we're looking at. I think it's like one hundred and thirty two. I think it's Detroit. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna look it up. You know who's got the second best home record in the NHL right now? Uh. No. The Winnipeg Jets. Oh, I never would have guessed 16, that. Me neither. 16, 3, and 1. Wow. That's incredible. But it doesn't surprise me because that place is rocking. Yeah, so. yeah. The Bell MTS Center. Third place is the Tampa Bay Lightning, 17, 4, and 1. And the fourth best team at home is now the Washington Capitals. Hmm. Hmm. Very Go interesting. figure. They've all got impressive records. They're all at least uh, 7, 5, 0 or above at home. So... Hard to play against. Uh, it looks like the Montreal Canadiens with 132 points in the 76-77. Oh, yeah, okay. That makes sense. And that's before <coughs> they were even playing 82 games. I think they're only playing 78 games. Oh, really? Bit. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. That, that's the year I think they only lost seven games all year long. That's spooky. It's very spooky. Mm-hmm. It's considered like the best hockey team to ever take to the ice. Wow. Well, ever. in the segue, speaking of old people, Lou Lamorello, oh, yeah. uh, I'd like to talk about this. Okay. I don't, this is going to be a topic that I don't want to be offensive with, but I'm, I have a very strong opinion. And just before I start this, I don't think I'm right. This is just how I feel. So, like, I fully expect, and I know that people have the opposite opinion of me, and you might even have the opposite opinion of we me. We haven't talked about it. We I have know, not I, talked about I know it. the topic, but yeah. we haven't discussed the uh, the meat. So, Lou Lamorello does not let the players of the Toronto Maple Leafs grow any kind of facial hair. I think he does in the playoffs, obviously, because that's a thing. But just in general, he doesn't allow them to grow facial hair. And I personally think that is absolutely ridiculous. I think, what is the purpose of it? I just I just don't understand because it, it doesn't make you any less professional to have a facial hair. Like I I I just don't like this whole cookie cutter thing. Like why I'm a very creative person. I like to express myself and having someone to tell me that I can't express myself. Some guys do express themselves with their beard. Look at Joe Thornton and Brent Burns and Derek England before he went to Vegas, and now he has to shave it because Vegas has the same policy. You're not allowed to have facial hair. I think it's ridiculous. Hmm. Like, I just, it's completely unneeded. unneeded. It's just another reason to keep someone down. Wow. 
you're you're, I, you're wound up. I think it's I think it's silly. I understand the professionalism. You want to you know you want to have this image of professionalism stuff. Look at tattoos. Mm-hmm. You well, think, while we're on that topic, let's talk about tattoos. Do you think I know I know you don't like tattoos. I don't. But do you think someone with a tattoo is any less professional? Um, like if well, it depends on the profession, but I, that could be a yes. But you work in an office. Mm-hmm. If there was someone there with a tattoos, would you take them any less professional because they because they had tattoos? What if they were your be- their your best worker? Well, I and they were completely respectful, the most respectful person in the office, but they had tattoos. Well, with tattoos, often it depends where it is, right? On the arm, right here. Right there in the arm. Or you can see it just like a beard. Yeah. Well, and not if you have a long sleeve shirt on. So you mean like mid-arm area. Hmm. So if they if they dressed up, if they had to have a suit on, you wouldn't see it? No. Okay. But I'm all right I with, mean, with that. Most office people have. Yeah. But I don't, I don't want like some snake's tail crawling up some guy's neck and <laughs> pointing towards his left eye. That's, you know, a tattoo like that, it does not look professional. It looks... Uh, yeah, but we're not like... It's a freak show. But I'm not talking about like face tattoos and stuff. I'm like normal like arm oh. tattoos or something like that. So where it is is important. Well, I, I yeah. guess in a way, yeah. yeah. I mean, I just and I'm old, right? So <laughs> and I can say that, and of course, <laughs> it hasn't stopped you from saying it either. But I'm I'm from a previous generation, right? And that's fine. Back when I was, you know, uh, 15 years old, the only people that had tattoos were sailors. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a body, you know, body art wasn't a thing. And I get that it's a thing now. It's a thing for, for people that are a lot younger than me. But I've seen a few people that were my age mm-hmm. uh, now. And they were my age when they got their tattoo yeah. when they were 20. Yeah. And the tattoo has changed its shape. Yeah, but here's the thing. When you get that old, you don't care about, like, you already know you're downhill, so you don't care what you look like. <laughs> <laughs> well. I guess I got dressed up and fancy for nothing. Today. I mean, look at Tyler Sagan. He has tattoos in both arms. Mm-hmm. He has sleeves in both arms. Yeah. What if he went to a team that had a no tattoo policy? Well, he wouldn't. He just wouldn't. The team wouldn't sign him. He, but the, he I, can't undo the you're tattoos. You're not going to sign Tyler Sagan because he has tattoos? Are you that like delusional? I don't know. Like that's uh, ridiculous. To me, professional. When I, you know, when, in my world, professional is you're in an office. It's, you're not in a hockey dressing room. So to me, a hockey dressing room is a different place, so, and I, I I care less about that there. So you think they should be allow, allowed to have beards? Uh, that's I'm not saying that for sure. No. Well, what's your opinion? Well, thank you. My <laughs> my opinion is an owner of a team can decide. <clears throat> pardon me, what the what he wants his team to look like, or what she wants her team to look like, and if that means. No facial hair, then that's what it means. Now the team will be smart enough to probably have that conversation with the people that it signs. I don't know. Well, there was a baseball player who wouldn't sign with the Yankees because they have the same rule. There you go. And there's there's the free market at work. Mm-hmm. He wouldn't sign with the Yankees, or they wouldn't sign him, so he gets to play somewhere else. Thankfully, there's 31 teams in the NHL, and they all have different policies and rules, and that's that's fine. Like I look at the arrival of a team, right? The, the bus drives into the basement of Madison Square Garden and all these guys get off the bus in three-piece suits mm-hmm. and they look sharp as heck. Yeah, of course they do. And then Grizzly Adams gets off the bus <laughs> with his three-piece suit on. Who cares if he's got a beard, and it, Well, it, I tell you, it. I, I love Brent Burns, okay? I, <laughs> I love him. And I like Scott Thornton. Or uh, Joe Thornton, rather. Scott Thornton. Scott, well, you know, family, yeah, I, family ties. I get you. 
But I like Joe Thornton, and I don't mind a hockey player having a beard. I just, I personally don't mind it. If I had a team, if I was the owner of a team, I would not mandate that. Okay, cool. But I would not also say that Lou Lamarillo should not be allowed to decide what his players look like. I think it's suppression of creativity. Hmm. I just, I just, I think people should be allowed to express themselves, especially hockey players. When I first heard of the beard ban in some professions, I was, you know, I, I, I've worn a beard or a goatee basically all my life. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. The only time I haven't had facial hair. Um, you had a creepy mustache. For I had a creepy mustache for a little while. Right. But everyone did back in the, in the 80s and 90s. Well, yeah. And also, like, in the year 2000, and I remember, I remember vividly, you might not, but in the year 2000, you're like 14 years old, but... Uh, the uh, Y2K thing comes along. Yeah, yeah, I we were, all, that. we're all staying down, the whole family, all my mother's side of the family, the extended cousins. We have this whole hotel book, basically, and we have a big dinner that night. The old Mayor Mitchie. And we had a photo session where the, we had, you know, the whole family group had contracted a photographer to come and take family photos of everybody on New Year's Eve night, 1999, 2000. And I thinking perhaps that if this photo was looked at a hundred years from now in some archival way, I'd look really stupid if I had facial hair that was only fashionable then. Okay. Because you see people now, you know, from a hundred years ago with mutton chops and, you know, weird looking sideburns and all, all that. That stuff's all back in now though. <laughs> yeah, it is. A cycle. But so I shaved my goatee off mm -hmm. and I remember you were not happy with me at all. Probably not. You were quite upset. Because you thought that I didn't look, and that you didn't say the word badass, but you, but you you thought I needed to look meaner. Oh, okay. I, I, and I didn't look as mean. All right. Yeah, with, yeah. with my goatee gone. That's funny. I don't remember any of that. Oh yeah, I was like, oh geez, really? So after the photos were done, I just you know only took a week or two, and I had my yeah. goatee back, so it wasn't a big deal. But back to my other point, when I first heard that some people aren't allowed to have facial hair in certain jobs, I thought that was crazy. But there is a scientific reason for at least some of these jobs. When I was a volunteer firefighter, we were discouraged from having beards. Because when you have a beard, you can't get a breathing mask on to put a Scott Air Pack on your back and go into a burning house. I completely agree with that. Because the beard prevents a good seal being made. Um, in the military, you can't have a beard, although in the Navy you are allowed in some professions. So there are sometimes there are real reasons why. But obviously, yes, in the I, case of Lamarillo, it's just a personal preference on his part. Yeah, just to go back to your story about your whole photo thing, mm -hmm. you know what upsets me most about that entire story? I don't know. As a photographer, someone if someone wanted me to come take pictures of, of their family on New Year's Eve night, mm -hmm. that's what's most upsetting to me. <laughs> to, to get someone, like taking someone away from whatever they were doing on New Year's Eve. But I guess if you're paying them, there's always someone, yeah. right? Well, so. it wasn't midnight. We had started with the dinner, so the photographer was only there for 45 minutes. Oh, so, okay, so it wasn't like at right at... At 6 p.m. Okay. No, they, they still <laughs> went better. and they got their drink on later, I'm sure. All right. <laughs> yeah, I just, uh, I'm I, like I said, I, I don't think I'm right. It's just how I feel. I think it's suppression of creativity or and and they're just trying to be their, their own unique person, and I think it's, I think it's absolutely silly. Yeah, well, in case of Lamarillo, and, and he's, you know, he I don't think Lamarillo has the Toronto tradition top of mind all the time, and I don't know what the regular Toronto tradition ever was in the past, but he wants his players to all look in, in his standards of decency when they hop off the bus and they're, they're, and they're at any event. I don't think anyone really cares what they look like when they're on the ice, but when they got those suits on and they're representing the team and they're going to hospitals yeah, and whatnot... I um, you know, he's old, he's even older than me and that makes him really old. So, but, it, but if he owns a team, 
It's not 1951 though. Like let's it's 2018. Let's get her let's get her caught up here. Let's let oh, people express themselves. I should correct myself. Obviously he doesn't own the team, but he but he's He's the, the president or whatever. Yeah, the the owners are are many and varied, but mm. Um, okay, that's fine, and it's it's just a personal preference thing. I I think that there can be standards made and in workplaces for people's dress and deportment. Mm-hmm. I frankly think, and I you know I I hope I'm not too much out on a limb here, but uh, I've worked in offices, and you know I'm the last many years of my life I've worked for the federal government of Canada, and there are people who work in some of the offices I've been in that are going around with shorts and flip flops. Even though they don't see the public, mm-hmm. and they really doesn't affect their job performance, I don't feel that they're taking the job as seriously as someone who dresses nicer when they go to work. And it's to me, it's about respect for your colleagues. It's about respect for yourself. And when I go to work with a tie on, and I don't every day, but when I do, I actually feel better. Yeah, I feel that I can do better work when I have my tie on. It makes no sense. There's no science there. No, I, I just it's all about the feel. I understand that. I I like dressing up actually. I know a lot of people don't like dressing up. I do, uh, but but I just it's the beard thing that gets me. Mm-hmm. Like I think I think hockey players should dress up nice and stuff, and it it looks nice. But uh, I don't think a player looks any less nice just because they have facial hair. That's my opinion. Yeah, it's the it's the only I don't I shouldn't say it's the only sport, but it's the only sport I'm aware of at least where. It is a tradition, not only in the professional level, but even down below. Like I know, it's a, it's a, like religious. Yeah, when when you were a much younger fella, and we were playing maybe a playoff game in Stanley or something, uh, the other coach, John, and myself. I wasn't a coach, but I was a sometimes held the door kind of thing. <laughs> That's about my hobby. Doorman, yeah, yeah, the doorman. But we wouldn't even have to communicate ahead of time. You know, the, the, the game would be at 11 a.m. on a Sunday morning. It's mm-hmm. the final game of the, the series. We'd both show up with a tie on, you know. Mm. The, the kids didn't come with ties on, you guys, but we had ties on. And it's, it was just, you didn't have to say it. You just did it because it was respecting the game, mm-hmm. you know, to, to dress up. And I think back even to, you know, the 60s at the Montreal Forum. People would go to the game. Oh, everyone, yeah. The men all had suits on and ties, and the women were decked out and had their nice hats on. It's like everything. going to church. It was like going to church. And I I, I regret those days are, are so far gone now. It would be neat to see that, actually. I, like, I would love it. Yeah. I would love it. Anyways, yeah, sorry that was a little long-winded, but no, that's uh, great. A, good, a good little debate I think mm-hmm. we had. <clears throat> uh, moving on to other news. There, the Carolina sale finally went through officially, mm-hmm. yeah. so the new owners are in. What changes can we expect? I don't really know. Uh, hopefully, they spend a little bit more to the cap. That's my only wish. Mm-hmm. But uh, other than that, I don't think I don't think a lot of crazy stuff needs to happen. Maybe a little bit better marketing strategy for, for to get better attendance. Uh, maybe increase their global spread a little bit more and create fans from other places of the world. Yeah. Good luck to them. I hope they do mm-hmm. great. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Now, another dramatic fashion. <laughs> uh, there's, there's, oh man, I don't even want to talk about this because it makes me so upset. Ooh. The U.S. Army has filed a copyright trademark against the Vegas Golden Knights. I did not know of this. Yeah, so. Does it, uh, does it look too much like a regiment or something? One of the. There's, uh, yeah, there's a, there's a, reg, I don't know if it's a regiment, but it's a division or whatever or something mm-hmm. called the Golden Knights. Oh. No. And it was, it was filed before the. Like when the team was announced, the team announced her name. I think they filed for it, but then it 
they lost it or something like that and then they refiled it in like now in like federal court or something like that. i don't know how it works i don't i don't know anything about that stuff but they refiled it again and can you imagine if the u.s army wins this and the vegas golden knights have to change their colors their logo their team name like I, I, it would be devastating it would like think of about all of the people who have merchandise of the team already like they think it's because of their success they've sold so much so much like, like when you see a game there everybody has vegas merch yeah i've seen people out walking in charlottetown here with vegas merch on mm-hmm. and then now potentially next year you're gonna have to have a new team name and a new logo yeah. it won't come to that oh it, even if they won even if the you know the, the court would not say anything other than compensation you know vegas you have to do something in a positive way like financially yeah it could be financially or even publicity wise you know draw a linkage or whatever i can't see the united states army uh prevailing to the extent that it would have to make vegas change what they've done i don't think it'll ever yeah, get to but that. it's That's the so army. unreasonable it's the army of course they're going to be unreasonable yeah but it's the army and, and the army works for the federal government of the united states and they depend on the support of the people out there and i don't think there would be a lot of public support for the federal government coming down on a, a professional sports mm-hmm. team in that way. I just don't think it would ever get that far. And I'm not, I'm, I didn't mean to sound like I'm talking bad about the U.S. Army. Oh, no, like, oh, God, no. I have all the love in the world for the U.S. Army. I yeah. just I mean, it's kind of a, a crappy situation that we have mm-hmm. have this to, to happen. But um, it, hypothetically, if they did have to change the logo and the team, I think they'd keep the colors and probably the same jersey design and stuff. So at least, at least you'd have a little bit of a resemblance. It, hopefully they could at least keep the colors worst case scenario but yeah. like like you said i think it probably will never come to that but uh yeah crazy wow so philip Deneau get hit last night in the head by a, a shot from chara i think it, they said it was going 120 kilometers an hour or something mm-hmm. like that yeah he got hit and looked to be like the, the ear area and he went down he held his head and he did not move for probably f- three to four minutes he didn't roll all around and squirm like a soccer player. He uh, he went down and he was motionless. Mm. He obviously was conscious because he had his head hands up to his head, and he was covering his head, probably yeah. trying to keep his brains in, or because he I'm sure he didn't know yeah. at that moment what had gone wrong with him. But his two legs, the way they were laying on the ice, they never moved mm. for until they started to roll him over and get him on a backboard. It was crazy. Oh man, because they tried to get him to see if he could get off the ice by himself, and he get up on his knees a little bit. And he was like, no, I can't. And he laid back down. They put him on the stretcher. And when they were taking him off, he couldn't even raise his arm to the crowd to say, hey, I'm okay. All he did was take off his glove and do a little point like that. Like, that's so scary. Mm. It's it's unbelievable. They were really supporting his neck a lot yeah. too. And, and I wonder when he got hit, maybe even if the puck didn't go into his ear itself, but just hit him on the side of the head, the sideways jolt of a chair slap shot on your head could really put quite a, a stun down your down your cervical spine. Yeah, it like kind of pinched neck. a nerve or something like yeah. that, or who knows. So that's probably, I, I wouldn't be surprised if his whole body went numb, mm. you know, just, yeah. from, just from the sideways jerking motion that that would have caused. Um, and I got to say some very, very positive things about Chara here. Mm. Um, you know, and I've been hard on the guy. After the Pacioretty hit a few years ago, uh, and different people watched that, good friends of mine that, that don't see it the way I see it, but I thought that was a, a nasty hit, 
and I thought it could have been avoided, and I think Chera could have been the one who avoided it. But all that being said, last night he was nothing other than a class act the whole way through. He was the, the person on the ice who cared the most. Yeah, he instantly felt bad. The minute Dano went down, he skated over, mm-hmm. leaned over, gave him a little tap with a stick, you know, kind of on the back of the leg, you know, and, and kind of leaned over and maybe touched him briefly, and then backed off as you should as the trainer got there and the other players got there. But when all the other players were skating off the ice, this happened late in the second with a minute and something left in the second. Minute 37. Which they decided to tack on to the third. So it ended up being yeah. the end of play for that moment. But still, the players hung around for a long time. The Zambonis didn't come out or anything. Mm. And even after all the other Boston Bruins had shuffled off and gone to the dressing room, Chara stayed there until Deneau was in motion and going off the ice himself and then went over again. Now, we didn't see it portrayed very well on TV because the freaking idiots who run Hockey Night in Canada's camera system, every time one of these touching moments was about to happen, they show some slobbering bean up in the crowd. Yeah, and I, scratching man, at his I, man parts and stuff. Man, I was upset like, because the, this was the most beautiful moment in hockey is when you see two players who are on opposing teams, you know, almost a forgive, you know, a forgive and forget thing. And, and you know, there's a moment happening on the ice and just then they switch away. Yeah, Char was, Char was coming over, leaning down over the stretcher in between the guys to you know, say his, you know, sorry, mm-hmm. whatever. We don't, I don't know, I don't know what he said. It doesn't, like, we, we didn't even see it because mm-hmm. they panned away to some person in the audience. I did see it later because they've showed it in a replay. Oh, well. Which was, and, and it was everything I wanted it to be. But this know. goes back to our main issue with Sportsnet and CBC they've forgotten to tell how to tell a story yeah totally and they're just completely obsessed with thinking that that they know what we want to see and if they don't if they think that we don't want to see Chara go over and lean down to Dano and see that respect if they think that we want to see someone in the audience they're they are so far more gone than I thought they were they are completely delusional it was almost like they were looking for opportunities to drag our eyes away from what we wanted to see yeah it happened several times I've never seen anything like it during that five minute span where Deneau went down now I realize we're not going to get a close-up of Deneau that's not appropriate you want to pull back quite a ways so you don't see any gory detail Mm -hmm. because they're at that moment no one knows how bad it is so you don't want to zoom in and I I appreciate that as much as I wanted a better view I understood why I wasn't getting a better view but to switch away from that camera, just when something very touching is about to happen, to show some nose picker up in the third deck, yeah. it just drives me nuts. And I don't know what we can do about there's it. There's nothing. Honest, there's nothing we can do about Literally it. Literally nothing. I wanted to go over and check on the French channel on TVA, which were showing the game, maybe with different camera angles. But I, the only it's just as I was reaching for the remote, I realized that... We were on about a five-minute delay on the PVR at that moment. Mm. So if I'd switched over, it would have been all over anyway. Yeah. So it wouldn't have done any good. But I wish now that I was also recording TVA's broadcast, and I could go back and look at it later to see if they covered it any better. And I'm sure they did, because you couldn't cover it any worse than yeah, that. Yeah, it couldn't be any worse, that's for sure. It was just pathetic. Pathetic. Uh, really, really, really frustrating. But <clears throat> but I'm really glad to hear Deneau's out this, today. Yeah, so if they release him from the hospital, that probably means he's he left on his own accord, and you can walk and stuff. And Oh, yeah. So that's that's really good news. Now I assume he's he'll probably be put on long term injury reserve with a concussion or something crazy yeah, like that. But I'm sure he got his bell rung pretty big. Speaking of bell rung, Gallagher got a couple of whacks. I was worried about him for a while last night. He, well, Gallagher is his own his own worst enemy. He runs into the boards all the time. He's falling down. He's <laughs> it's like he's playing with butter on his skates or something. He's, he's just, a tough little nut, boys. Yeah. Uh, next on my list is the whole Ottawa situation with now we're only we're only 
talking about this because we got information because uh, I think it was a Bantam team were playing in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't even know what happened in the past I think couple it was over weeks. The Christmas break. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they got the opportunity to go to a game between the Ottawa Senators and the San Jose Sharks, and the it, it was a really special event for the kids. So they they were trying to get the kids in to meet the players and to see, or just to see the locker rooms in general. And so this game was happening in Ottawa. And the Ottawa Senators denied the kids to come into the to dressing room. And I'm sure there's a reason for that. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But you know who didn't? I'm guessing in the San Jose the Sharks. The San Jose Sharks was, were like, yep, no problem. Come on in. So the kids got to take pictures with Joe Thornton, the whole team, meet the whole team. It was a great experience. It mm-hmm. kind of makes the Ottawa Senators look a little bad. A little worse. Or a little worse. Than they already looked. The, well, I mean, for well, different reasons. Well, but it... They're the hometown team. Yeah. So the away team, who is an American team, is going to let a Canadian, like, I know there's a lot of, lots of Canadians on San Jose, but. Yeah. It, but no, no, they are the hometown team. And further, they're the team that was in PEI for Hockey Day or for Craft Hockeyville this yeah. year. Some of those kids were probably at the game. Yes. And and maybe got autographs from the Ottawa players and couldn't wait to meet them. Yes. Again. And then they're told they can't. And then San Jose opens their door. Good stuff. Good stuff, yeah. Oh, G- guess who I blame for this? Melnick. Eugene Melnick. <laughs> you piece of garbage. <laughs> now, maybe he had nothing to do with he that He probably decision. didn't. No, I, know yeah. he, I know he didn't. I'm just playing games. But there may be a, just a general policy <laughs> that, you know, he, he may have set it down or at least approved it that, uh, yeah. you know, on game days, no one gets in or, you know, it could be something yeah, blanket no. like that. Like I said, I know there's a reason. Yeah. I just... And then some flunky with a flashlight, you know, in this first suit he ever owned in his life is saying no. Yeah. Right. So it's, you know, it might be that simple. It, it could be a million of different reasons. I'm just, I'm just being funny and playing games. But. <laughs> um, just uh, referencing Don Cherry a little while ago, there's one other thing he said. Sure. And I think you and I both disagreed with him, but he said, and I think it was kind of a throwaway comment last night mm. where he didn't like it when players of opposing teams had conversations on the ice. Yeah. O'Reilly and I can't remember who O'Reilly was talking to, Yeah, but it doesn't matter who was talking. Yeah. He was complaining that they were talking on the ice and opposing teams. Yeah, you're, you know, you're supposed to hate each other. You're not supposed to talk and, hey, buddy, where are you going for dinner? And, you know, all that there, all that stuff, everything like that. Yeah, um, yeah I totally disagreed because I've heard enough audio where players are miked oh, yeah. when they're playing. And when they're talking on the ice, even if they don't look like they're mad at each other, they're talking some serious smack usually. Yeah. Well, I played hockey. I, I know what that's like. Yeah. You, you, you know, you talk some crap with two of the other... <laughs> The other team, and sometimes it's not all crap. Sometimes it's just about the weather. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. To me, it doesn't matter. Who, doesn't who, matter. who cares? Yeah, exactly. And you, I think you were saying that you had seen uh, uh, Hockey Noon or Hockey Central at Noon. Hockey Central at Noon, yeah. And uh, Colby Armstrong was, was on the, the air the other day, and he was talking about how well the players get along on their yeah, little like vacations. They, when they do these bye weeks and stuff, a lot of them go down to the Bahamas or wherever, and... Uh, they, they they just randomly run into each other. And sometimes it's players that they, they see on the ice but have never spoken to, and they talk off the ice, make friends. And, they, like, he said that Tukarask is one of the nicest people, if not the nicest person in the entire world, and he never met him before he met him randomly in the Bahamas. Mm-hmm. So, and, and then you look back to uh, the summer times when Brad Marchand, and I think it's Brad Marchand. Yeah. And Gallagher. And Brendan Gallagher, they work out together, they train, yeah. they're buddies, they hang out. Well, they played together in the in the World Cup, I think, didn't they? I'm sure they did. And, you know, d- does anyone think that Brendan Gallagher or Brad Marchand leaves anything behind when they're playing each other? 
Absolutely not. Well, sorry to interrupt. It's it's Lucic, Lucic that Lucic, he yeah. trains with in the summer. Right. Okay. That's but Gallagher has become friends with Martian oh, because okay. they played together. Okay. So similar yeah, was Lucic, similar yeah. situations. But. Yeah, because Gallagher and Lucic are both in BC and Martian's from Halifax. That right. makes yeah. perfect sense. But you know, then again, does anyone think that they're going to be easier on each other on the ice yeah, just because yeah. of that? Absolutely not. They're going to hate each other. We have some motion in the lava lamp finally. Heck yeah. Finally. <laughs> it took a while to warm up. Mm. Uh, okay, streaks. Mm-hmm. On the winning side, Calgary, six-game winning streak. Wow. Heck yeah. Wow. Doing the same thing they did last year, hopefully. Colorado, six games. Nathan McKinnon. Philadelphia, four. Pittsburgh, three. Mm-hmm. And on to the losing side of things. Uh-oh. The Los Angeles Kings have lost three games in a row. Winnipeg's at two. Columbus is at two. Two games Columbus should have won, by the way. Those are tough losses. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rangers with two. Detroit with two. So mm-hmm. some s- tough stuff there. And speaking about Columbus, Jack Johnson, 31 years old, making $4.35 million, has requested a trade. What team does he go to? I don't know. Jack Johnson's a troubled a troubled case. He's been there for, I think this is his seventh season in Columbus. Yeah. Are you aware of his money problems? No. He has very serious money problems. Jack Johnson is probably, when, you, when it comes to the amount of money you're taking home at the end of the day, he is very likely the lowest paid player in the National Hockey League. What? Because he's declared bankruptcy a couple of years back. Almost all of his salary goes to his creditors. He was financially hosed by his parents. I knew that story. I didn't think it was Jack Johnson, though. Yep. Wow. Yeah. He's in the... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's not good. It, it's not good at all. And he, the next several years, he's still under the gun. There's of, of the eight different creditors that he owed, he settled with six of them, but there's still two that haven't made a deal yet. So they have a claim on, on stuff. Wow. Um, his, his parents, his mother in particular, but his father as well. Uh, I read some, some articles about it, uh, this morning just to be sure I understood the well, story. This is his last year of his contract. Yeah. And he's 31, so, I mean, if he gets paid less in his new contract, whatever he plays with next, mm-hmm. whew, that's tough. And the creditors that he still owes, they're getting, like, a, a percentage of his next cal- contract if it's a certain amount and mm-hmm. if it's for a certain amount of time. So it's, these things are all, uh, are all, you know, ha- dangling for his future. No matter where he goes, I know that's not really the hockey question, but mm. um, he's going to have to go to some place that will nurture him and hopefully help him get out he's not like every other player that Mm. is putting money away he's living hand to mouth and uh, he's had to sell off the things that he had the toys that you get when you're Mm. when you when he first joined and he first became a professional hockey player he fired his agent he he signed power of attorney to his mother and uh all kinds of bad stuff happened he didn't even know about it like it's not his fault the poor guy that's crazy like it didn't go up his nose or anything like you'd think, you know, when a player yeah. falls on hard times, he was just, you know, his money was just so mismanaged by his own parents. That's unbelievable. You got to, you know, and you can't choose your parents. You know that better than <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I hope it works out wherever he goes, yeah. but it won't be Columbus. Uh, and now they just started their break. So this is a good time for him to make that announcement. Mm. He was a plus one in the game the other night against uh, whoever it was, uh, Winnipeg or somebody, but he was a plus one. Uh, didn't get any points on the board, but he's a defenseman. You know, he's not had that bad a season. He's been playing pretty well every game, and uh, he's, I think, a minus seven on the year or mm-hmm. minus five or something, so he's not, you know, horribly bad. He's playing 19, 20 minutes a night, you know, so he's getting some ice time. He's he's contributing. 
he's a big guy. He's certainly not the great fit for other teams that are looking for D, like Montreal, for instance, um, to adopt that, uh, you know, for a long haul, I think is a mistake. I do too. Yeah. yeah. But uh, maybe there's a team somewhere that needs a little more solidity on D and they can bring him in. I think he goes west. Could be. Yeah, I think he goes west. Uh, I don't know where, but I think he goes west. Yeah. I hope for him. He, I hope it works out wherever he goes. Mm. Uh, that's all I have. So wow. take it away. Holy smokes. Um, okay, man, where do I start? We're right. at 51 minutes, by the way. Okay, I already talked about the podcast. Quickly, just going over the standings, you talked about the streaks. Um, it gets grimmer and grimmer for the Atlantic Division all along. Mm-hmm. You know, for the teams that aren't already in. And here's, who, here's, here's who's in. Uh, Tampa Bay is in with 21 points. Uh, ahead of their, you know, they have 21 points more than they need to have, basically. Boston is a plus 14 with 55 points. Toronto's a plus 8. Every other team in the Atlantic is a minus During I using my weird scoring system. It's been pretty much settled, hasn't it? It's settled. There's no way. There's no way anyone, you know, Florida has a chance, maybe Detroit, uh, but no, no, even they don't have a chance. Like Bergevin is delusional, thinking that Montreal can make yeah, there's no, and we had our, we recorded our podcast last week before Bergevin had his press availability right. uh, later that day, last Sunday, but uh, there's been a lot of very unhappy Montreal fans after Bergevin said some of the things he said, you know, that he's he's pretty happy with how he's yeah. done things. 351 and, uh, excuses he made. Yeah, our goal wasn't to come in, you know, 8 million under the cap, it just worked out that way, the money was on the table, the Russians walked away from it, I can't help that, it's not my fault. All those things are just mm. making people's blood boil, as it should. But uh, the Atlantic Division is pretty well set. The top three teams are going to the playoffs, and the rest aren't. And the Metro is the exact opposite. The exact opposite. Washington ahead with 59 points, or a plus 14, followed by Columbus, New Jersey, the Rangers, and Pittsburgh, and then Philadelphia. Interestingly, Philadelphia has one point less than Pittsburgh, mm. but they have games in hand. They do. So they actually have a better record than Pittsburgh. So if I were to hand out that last playoff spot right now, based on my system, it would go to the Flyers, mm-hmm. not to the to the Penguins. And then the Islanders and Carolina aren't too far behind. And even the worst player, the worst teams in that division, the Islanders and Carolina, are light years ahead of the Atlantic. It's unbelievable. It's crazy. It's, it's amazing, yeah. actually. Uh, in the Central, Winnipeg is on top, fifty nine points. They're a plus thirteen. Nashville has fifty six points, and they're a plus fourteen because they have four games in hand. Hmm. So if Nashville plays at their current pace, they'll actually be ahead of Winnipeg if they, when they make those games in hand up, unless they you know, oh, that they wouldn't surprise have me. a bad run. St. Louis is next in third with uh, 55 points. They're a plus nine. And then you've got Minnesota, Dallas, Chicago, and Colorado, all at plus seven or plus six. So the worst team is Colorado. They're 49 Jeez. points and a plus seven. And then you look at the... Pacific, mm-hmm. Vegas is obviously at the top, 61 yeah. with plus 19. So they're only two points or two plus factors behind Tampa Bay. Uh, so, you know, they did steal a point last night. The Kings are next, and then Calgary, and then San Jose. And then you've got Anaheim and Edmonton, both in the plus range. So they're within striking distance of the wild card spot. The only teams that are really out now are Vancouver and Arizona. It's, there's so much parity in the league. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's it's kind of bad in in a way. Yeah, I don't like it. I I but I I do like it. Yeah, we've had this I, conversation I like it a lot. before. Yeah, I love seeing new blood in the in the playoffs and stuff. I just it's yeah. just I love an underdog story. So. Oh, I do too. 
but uh, I wish it wasn't from parody. I wish it was okay. more more dynasty based than parody based. But um, one thing I want to circle back to before I forget, and this is the Barzal uh, accomplishment. Oh right, yes, yes, yes. Five points, second time this season he's done that. Yep. Only four other players in the history of the National League, as rookies, have scored five points at least twice in their rookie season. Okay. And you were going to try to name them for Lemieux. Me. No. McDavid? No. LaFleur? No. Gretzky? No. Uh, Crosby? No. Ovechkin? No. Beret? No. <laughs> uh, Hull? No. I haven't. Okay, I give up. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Brian Trache. Okay. He did it twice with the New York Islanders when he was uh, playing for them in his rookie season, 75-76. The only other three players to have done this mm-hmm. are brothers. Are they Savards? No. They're not Plagers, and they're not Stalls. Oh. <clears throat> and they're not Suitors or Sutters. <laughs> uh, this, is, this is interesting. I don't know. Stasny's. Oh, really? Really. And this is the coolest story. And it's not a new story. It's just a story that because of the generational change in the NHL, a lot of people don't know about. But uh, Peter Stasny did it in 80-81 for the New York Island, or for the Quebec Nordiques. Mm-hmm. His brother, Anton Stasny, did it the same year for the same team. And the following year, the brother, Marion Stasny, did it the same for the same team. Holy crap. So you've got three That's brothers. Amazing. And they're all playing in the Quebec Nordiques. So now with Barzal and Trache mm-hmm. and the three Stastny brothers, this has happened five times in the history of the NHL, spread over only two teams. Three Nordiques and That's two Islanders. That's so spooky. It is weird. Huh. Now the whole Stastny story is fantastic because, um, and this is a very quick trip through history here, but at the end of World War II, or just as it was ending, the Allies uh, all sat down and drew a, a line across the map of Europe mm-hmm. as to who was going to influence what. And the British and the French and the Americans on one side and the Soviet Union on the other side essentially defined their spheres of influence. Germany was cut in, well, it was cut into four, but one, one of the quarters was Russian and the other three were Allied mm-hmm. or, or uh, NATO-type countries. Austria stayed with the West Czechoslovakia stayed with Russia, Uh, Yugoslavia, Bulgaria, Romania, Poland, East Germany, they all were in the Russian sphere. And Czechoslovakia was a country that was formed and rammed together after World War I and was still there after World War II. So Slovaks and Czechs living in the East and West respectively, not particularly fond of each other, Mm -hmm. but stuck in the same country. So the Stasny brothers are all from a place called Bratislava, which at the time was a large country or city in the country of Czechoslovakia. Now it's the capital of Slovakia. Okay, so they're okay. Slovaks. Yep. And Bratislava is only, I don't know, 30 kilometers from Vienna, Austria. So they're very close. In fact, the Austrian border was just on the border of the city, really. <clears throat> all three players were... Uh, Czech superstars mm-hmm. and, and the Czechoslovakian and of course we called them the Czechs even though it was actually Czechoslovakian so that probably didn't help <laughs> but uh, anyway they were superstars they were all in the 1980 Olympics so they played 
you know, in the Miracle on Ice season. Right. They, yep. they, and the Czechs came fifth that, that time in the medal round, or in the uh, Olympics. Anyhow, in 1979, on a whim, the Quebec Nordiques drafted Peter Stastny. They selected him in the draft just so they'd have the rights to him if they could ever get him. Mm-hmm. Because people weren't allowed right. to cross the border back then. Except these players were so elite that they were allowed, if they were going to hockey tournaments, to go to some Western countries. Hmm. So it so happened that uh, Peter Stastny and Marion Stastny were in Innsbruck, Austria in 1980 doing, during a, an international hockey tournament. And Austria was a Western country. Mm-hmm. They made it be known. They were getting upset with how they were being treated uh, and the oppression going on in Czechoslovakia right. from the Russian-controlled mm-hmm. government. They made it be known to the Quebec Nordiques that they were available if they could be found or caught or, or picked up. Mm. So the Quebec Nordiques got a hold of the Canadian embassy, and they sent a vehicle to Innsbruck. And these two guys and Marion's wife uh, got into a vehicle and drove through the middle of the night to Vienna and went to a hotel just to, to spend the night. When they're at the hotel, there's a knock on the door. It's the police. And he's scared. Peter's scared to death to open the door. Mm-hmm. And it's a woman police officer. She says, no, no, it's okay. I've got the Canadian embassy staff here with me. So they all run downstairs, the three of them, the, the, the wife and the mm-hmm. two players, hop into a car and speed through the streets of Vienna, basically being chased by the you know Czechoslovakian secret service or whatever that are trying to spy on them mm-hmm. and watch them. And they make it to the Canadian embassy and they apply for asylum. And they fly them to Quebec. Dang. Now, the, there's a third brother, right? Right. Uh, and that's uh, uh, Anton. So, it's yeah, Peter and Anton went. Of course, Marion stayed behind. Because Marion was married with three kids. Mm-hmm. And he was on the trip with them in, in Innsbruck, but he just couldn't go. Right, I mean, His yeah. wife and three kids back home. So And he only knew about their plan a couple hours before it happened. Right. He was very, very upset at the time that they were leaving him leaving him behind, you know, yeah. but he, of couldn't, course, yeah. he couldn't go. But when he went back to Czechoslovakia, he was an outcast because they figured he knew about it. He was in on it or mm. whatever. He lost his position on the team. They told him he was off the team. You're wow. done. You're done. He was a trained lawyer, but he couldn't practice law. He was done that. He had no career. He couldn't play hockey. He couldn't practice law. He had nothing. So his brothers found a way to secretly send him money to keep him going. <clears throat> And then, to throw the authorities off, he did renovations to his house in Bratislava. You know, he took some trips and always came back. You know, and eventually, after you know, several months, they stopped spying on him hmm. as much. And he went to Yugoslavia with his family on a supposedly a family trip. Yugoslavia had a border with Austria as well. And using fake papers, he went from Yugoslavia to Austria picked up the phone and said, we're here, and they oh, flew them over. So the wow. three brothers were reunited on the Quebec Nordiques for the 81-82 season wow. and went all crazy. There was only one player that scored more goals and had more points than Peter Stastny in the entire decade of the 1980s, and that was Wayne Gretzky. Hmm. He was num- Stastny was number two. That's magical. It is, That's it cool. is magical. And, of course, Peter Stastny's got uh, two sons who play hockey, one yes. of them who is still playing. Yeah. Colorado, um, yeah. I think. Or no, sorry, uh, uh, St. Louis? Yeah, he's now with St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's Paul. Uh, and interestingly, when Paul started with Colorado, he was playing with Joe Sackick, 
and Ian LaPerriere. Who played with... Who played with his dad in Quebec City. (laughs) How cool is that? That's amazing. Anyway, very, you know, international intrigue. You got spies, you got high-speed cars. He said when they were going to the Canadian Embassy in Vienna, they were going the wrong way on one-way streets. They were driving on sidewalks. Whoa. He said it was just like Formula One without the Formula One car. He said, "Gee, <laughs> it's a great story." And there's been some documentaries. TSN is about a 20, 25 minute documentary on this uh, mm. when it happened from a couple of years back. You can find it on the internet. It's fantastic, and it has to do with hockey. At a time when hockey wasn't really possible for those from Eastern Europe, you know, and, and they really broke the mold. These guys, they weren't the very first. Uh, the very first player to defect and play in North America was Vaclav Nedimansky. Hmm. who defected back in 1974. But really, when the Stasnys did it, it became yeah. you know, more Be- of a possibility. And Czechoslovakia was in the Soviet influence uh, and really a, a hard-to-get-to country till about 1993. Hmm. So not that long ago. Interesting. There's still changes in that area of the world today. Oh, yeah. Because there's, they went from the Czech Republic, now they're called just called Czechia, I guess, apparently. Yep. And... <laughs> Yeah, that's a another. Yeah, that'll take some getting used to. Yeah, I don't. I guess some people contacted us from Czechia mm-hmm. and said that it's just a joke. No one, no one actually calls it that. Yeah, I remember so. you telling me that. <laughs> uh, the last thing I have is uh, some stats from individual players, just like we usually do every week. Uh, who do you think's leading the points race? I, it's got to be Kucherov. I it think is. he's like. He's six or seven points ahead of everyone else, I think. Yeah, he's got uh, 60, and he's six points ahead of uh, the next guy, which is Giroux, who's got 54. There's a three-way tie with 53 points. Goals. Uh, Kucherov or Ovechkin? You're you're right on. Ovechkin has 28, Kucherov has 27. There are a couple of players tied with 25, Couturier and Anders Lee. Hmm. So they're not doing too bad. Uh, Hedman has, uh, oh, sorry, uh, plus minus. Oh, it's got to be uh, uh, Schwartz or whatever. Schwartz is now second. <laughs> with a, He's a plus 23. Hedman has passed him with a plus oh. 24. But but now Hedman's inj- injured too. Yeah. <laughs> so they're both, both their plus minuses are going <laughs> to yeah. stay. So Schwartz come back, comes back and gets a plus one. He's tied for the lead again. Yeah. Um, uh, goals against average. Uh, is Carter Hutton still? It is Carter yeah. Hutton, yeah. 1.84. The only one still below two. After that is Vasilevsky and Rask. Wins is... Vasilevsky. It is Vasilevsky with 27. And the next highest is Holpe with 24. And save percentage? Uh, Hutton. Yeah, Carter Hutton, 940. Vasilevsky's 930. Crawford's 929. And guess who is in fourth place now? Save percentage. Mm. I was shocked. Uh, Flurry? To no. ask? He's more Flurry's age. <clears throat> I don't know. Roberto Luongo. Really? <laughs> huh. Yeah, Interesting. He, he's a 928 as of this morning. Hmm. Fourth fourth place in save percentage. Who would have thought Very that? Very interesting. I yeah. think it's great. Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. That's all you got? That's all I got. All right. Well, I got nothing else either. So, uh, th- guys, thank you very much for listening or watching this podcast, uh, whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on iTunes, Google Play, or any podcatcher you have. Uh, we really appreciate you coming back every week and listening to us uh, or watching us on YouTube. If you are on YouTube and this is your first uh, experience with us, we hope you hit the uh, subscribe button. If you like this podcast, hit the like button, and uh, we'll see you in the next one. Adios. <laughs>